minutes this morning about higher ground and going to a higher ground and getting a higher vision of, uh, of our Christian life. So let's talk about this a little bit this morning. I, I really don't want to keep you a super long time. And I know uh, folks, uh, you know, they uh, have uh, Sunday morning service and then they stay over here and eat and then they go home and messes up your nap time and all that stuff. So, But I don't want to take away really from the, from the preaching so that we can eat or anything like that. But I do want to get a, a short message across to you this morning and I really want to keep it short because I really want you to just mainly focus on this one thing that I have uh, to talk to you about this morning. And uh, if you can get a hold of that, then I think it'll help you as we go down the road and as we go down the line and study other things. I think this will help you a little bit better just to kind of frame your Christian life in this in this sort of a way. And of course this morning in Revelation chapter 3 we touched on uh, this church of Laodicea chapter 3 verse 17, 18, 19 on down through there. We talked about that a little bit. But here in chapter 4 the, the very first words that you hear after this from God is come up hither. And in chapter 4 verse 1 of course he said after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven. Now that's definitely higher ground. I'm not shouting or something. There's a little bug flying around my head up here. I always thought it was funny to stand off at a distance where you couldn't see see what they were swatting at and see somebody swatting around. I'm not crazy up here. There is something flying around. But it, there it is again. It's the devil. But at any rate, uh, look. it says here, I heard as it was, uh, uh, excuse me, I heard uh, the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And I saw this, and you know, a lot of times we kind of uh, use this verse as an inspirational verse. It's not a doctrinal verse about the rapture. Uh, heaven opens and a voice says, Come up hither. It's kind of inspirational in that regard. Not doctrinal, but inspirational. But I saw it in another sort of an inspiration way when I read it and thought about it and looked at it a little bit and I thought this, that Christians really do need uh, to get a higher vision, they need uh, you know, a higher walk. They need uh, to really uh, dwell on higher ground. And there's a, there's a hymn that we sing about that, about being on higher ground. Lord, set my feet on higher ground. And really, we do need that kind of a thing in our Christian life this day and time. Notice again, it said, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. And so, come up. I want you to see that very clearly that when you leave this morning I want you to think about getting on higher ground. Let me pray and then get into the little sermon that I got for you this morning. Heavenly Father I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy. I pray oh God that you would uh, speak through uh, my mouth God this morning speak to the hearts and the spiritual ears of this congregation I thank you for each and every one of them that's come this morning I know that there's some out this morning that are normally here and would love to be here but for whatever reason Lord they were hindered and I pray that you would help them and then Lord I pray a special blessing on those that have made it I pray that you would help them strengthen them deal with them and Lord I pray that the word of God that's preached this morning would benefit them in a great and mighty way 
And Lord, I thank you and praise you. And Lord, let them know that the, that the blessings that you give them are because they've been faithful, God, and, and, and are being faithful. And Lord, I pray that you would help them in this regard. Lord, have your willing way in the sermon and in the service. And I thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right. He says, oh, John says, uh, I was I was looking at these things about the church and all of a sudden a big door in heaven opened up and it said, come up hither and I'll show you things which must be hereafter. And a lot of people got that question in mind. What's going to happen down the road? What's going to happen hereafter? What's going to happen next week or what's going to happen uh, next year or what's going to happen at the end of my life? When I talk to people about their lives, a lot of times I'll ask them, are you you going to heaven they'll say I hope so and what they mean by that is not that they have a hope in Jesus Christ but that they wish they could go to heaven or maybe they'll go to heaven or they might get to go to heaven and that's not the kind of religion I want at all amen I, Jesus said that he died on the cross for our sins is that true or false amen. it's true amen he said if you believe on him you would be saved amen, amen. I believe those things I, I believe those and, tr- and that's my only hope uh, we also sing another hymn says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, Jesus' blood and His righteousness. Amen. That's all the hope that I have. Uh, but now that I have Jesus Christ in my heart, He's given me a Bible, given me a church and a congregation together with, given me opportunities to in, improve my mind. He said that you're to, be, uh, that you're to renew your mind uh, by the transforming of your mind. He said you're to offer your body a willing sacrifice, a living sacrifice. And he said, you're to renew your mind. So this is what I'm saying to you this morning. Just like the voice said to John, come up. It's about time, Christians, that we come up and step up a little bit. And you know, I spent a little bit of time this week. I was telling Brother Nathan about it yesterday. I got into a little argument with a, with a, with a big-time preacher. I mean, a big-name preacher. I don't know if you'd know his name or not. Don't really don't really matter if you do know it or don't know it. Uh, but I made a lot of enemies just in a short space of time. I'm, I'm still hearing fallout from it. But, but I tell you, this fella uh, made fun of old time religion. And he made fun of the old hymns. And he made fun of the King James Bible. And, and at the same time, he said he believes the King James Bible. He don't believe you ought to make a big deal of it. Hey, I think you ought to make a big deal of it. Amen. If you want a dead, old, tired, uh, wore out, good for nothing religion, go get yourself one. I don't want that kind. Amen. I don't want that kind of religion. I want something that's been time tested and proved and been proved by the promises of God. And the only thing I know about the promises of God come in this book. Uh, you can't tell me anything about God's promises unless you can open this book and show me. And, and listen, I don't want a book that's been changed a hundred thousand times. I don't want something that man's been messed with. I don't want nothing that's unsure. We just talked about that a minute ago. The, the, one of the biggest problems that I, I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a Hebrew. I'm not even an English scholar. I don't know English very well. But I do know this. I know the profession of the men who put out the new Bibles and the men who put out the new Bible says we cannot know what the exact words of God are. They say that the Bibles that we got are the closest to the originals. I got news for you. It ain't so. Do they have an original? Then they don't know if it's close or not. In my left hand I have the original. See it? Y'all don't see it? Well, in my right hand, I got a new translation. 
And this new translation is closest to the original. Can't you tell? It ain't there. How are you going to say that? I got news for you. God arranged this thing to where you cannot put your hand on a piece of paper and say, this is the original manuscript. Because the original manuscript is Jesus Christ Himself. John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the what? There's the original. Amen? Jesus is the original. And He said, I'd preserve my word to a thousand generations. There it is, right in your lap. You say, well, I don't believe it. Okay. <laughs> Help yourself. Now, you just spend the rest of your life wondering. But listen, if you've got to wonder about Romans 1.16, you also got to wonder about John 3.16. If your source for authority is some mystical original autograph... John 3.16 could be just as wrong as 2 Timothy 2.15 or any other verse they've got a problem with. You say, which verses do they have a problem with? Break yourself open a new Bible and see which one's changed. That's the one they've got a problem with. Uh, get, get in there and find out where whole chapters are going. You can get in some of these new Bibles and you can start reading verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, verse 6, verse 7. What happened to verse 5? Just took it out. You say, what? They don't believe it. What authority do they have to take it out? None. They they got this. Y'all see this original? I'll sell you this original after church. The original autographs, the original writings of Paul the Apostle and Moses, if you had those, they would be worth billions of dollars. Now you see me after church, I'll sell them to you for $10 a piece. You say, oh, all you want is money. What do you think they're making them new Bibles for? Money, 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 money. You think the English language goes out of date every other year? Then why are they making new, new, new Bibles every other year? Because they don't believe the one that they got. I believe the one that I got. Amen? You say, oh, the King James Bible. I believe the one before the King James. There was a Tyndale before the King James. I believe that one too. Amen? Amen. A fellow told me one time, he said, well, if you go back and you read that old King James, you couldn't even read it. It's not. I mean, there's been a lot of changes since 1611. I know that. But guess what? I believe this modern King James and I believe the 1611 King James too. Amen. I believe them both. So you can't, under, you can't read every word. I still believe it. Yeah. I still believe it. And I'm still going... Listen, if a thousand theologians from a thousand Bible colleges came and sat in this room today and tried to talk me out of this book, you can't do it. You can't do it. I believe this Bible not because a college professor taught me it was true. I believe this Bible because God said it was true and God said He was going to preserve it. And so I believe it. And once you start believing God's Word, let me tell you this, you're headed towards higher ground. What did He tell John in Revelation chapter 4? He said, come up hither and I'll show you things which must be hereafter. I know what my future's like. I know what next week... Listen, I don't know the events that are going to take place next week, but I know how they'll turn out. If I walk with God, He'll give me love, joy, peace. If I walk away from God, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. 
A lot of people live in a life of transgression and they don't even know what they're heading for. The Bible says they're blind. They don't understand where they're going. They don't understand that the end of their life is going to be judgment. You say, why? They're not walking on higher ground. If you're walking down through the valley, guess what? It's hard to see all around you. You get up on that high ground, you can see off to the left. You can see off to the right. Every military commander chooses the high ground. You say, why? High ground's where you win battles from. Nobody sets up camp in the lowland if they can help it. Where an enemy can get up on the high ground because then he's got the advantage. And I said all that to say this. I made a fellow mad and I made a lot of people mad by defending that old time religion. I, I like the old time religion. The preacher says, you show me one thing in the Bible that talks about old time. Well, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 21 said, holy men of old. What's he talking about? What are they talking about in old time for? That goes old time, amen. First Peter chapter three says the the women, the the holy women of old time, they did such and such and thus old time. So evidently somebody in your Bible was worried about how they used to do it. Amen. And so listen, hey, I don't care if folks don't like old time religion. We're not going to be in the mainstream. Oh, I'd, I'd like nothing better for folks than to get revival and people to be crowded in this little church and the windows to be open and people be... But listen, if that never happens, we've got to keep going the way we're going. We've got to stick with the truth. You've got to stick with what God told you to do because God's not going to change with the times. I mean, He did say a little something about, I change not. The same yesterday and today and forever. The Lord's not interested in change. The Lord not interested in contempt. And there's always, it's hate, 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 hate. This is not hate. It's about obedience. It's about faithfulness. Amen. But what I was, I said all that to say this. I find that more and more in this day and time, Christians are on the defensive. If you do believe in the old time way, if you do believe in the old time Bible, if you do believe in the old time hymns, you find yourself on the defensive, the defensive. And people want you to explain why do you think we ought to have these old hymns? Why do you think we ought to have this Bible? And it's always on the defensive, the defensive, the defensive. And I would say this, if there's a segment of Christianity that's against the old time way, they must be for something else. Why should should the church have to defend it Self from another part of the church. I got news for you. This old King James Bible was here before you. <laughs> Be here when you're gone too. But them hymns, they were here before you. Listen, you're attacking it. This Bible's not attacking you. Of course, it's putting you in your place. <laughs> But them hymns, they're not attacking you. You're attacking it. You hear that old time preaching and the old time Bible and the old time hymns? Something ain't right about it. Something not jiving with you if you got a problem with it. Listen, we were talking, Brother Nathan and I was talking about last night. What makes these people get mad at the hymns? What makes these people look at them and say, Hey, I don't want that anymore. I want something new. There's something different. Some going on. And we find ourselves defending and defending and defending and trying to hold... Well, what I want to do, if we can get Christians up on higher ground and see what's coming down the pike and see what's coming in the future, then we can go on the offensive. And I'm not talking about going on the offensive to be offensive either. I'm talking about going on the offensive to win souls for Christ. Listen, if the world wants to go and have new Bibles and new music, they got a perfect right to do it. You can do anything that you want to do. Just go ahead and do it. 
But our job is not to... God, I got a little thing back there in my room. It's got a picture of a lion standing on a whole stack of books. And that lion's supposed to represent Jesus. It represents the Word of God. It represents a king. It says the monarch of the books. And it says he can defend himself. And he certainly can defend himself. The truth is going to be right no matter if it's accepted or not. You know, the Bible says, the Bible says, he says uh, to be instant, in season and out of season. In season and out of season. It's out of season, folks. I mean, if you're going to talk about Jesus, people will put up with that. But when you put a principle or a purpose or a design or a set of rules along with Jesus, people cringe at that. You can't tell me what to do. And that's that's about the most dangerous position I've ever heard in my life. Bro, you can't tell me what to do. Can I ask you a question? What do we have, what do you have against somebody telling you what to do? I can feel the tension in the room. What, what is it about you that makes you so special that nobody can tell you what to do? I'll just tell you right now. There ain't no preacher going to tell me what to do. Okay, how about a judge? Yeah. <laughs> huh? Next time a police officer pulls you over and writes you a ticket, and if you think about it, that's one of the silliest things on earth. A police officer pulls you over and writes you a ticket for traveling 56 miles in one hour. Think about how silly that is. I mean, if you, I mean, I know safety and speed and all that stuff, but you just got a ticket for traveling 56 miles within one hour space of time. What in the world would be wrong or immoral about about that? But let's, you get that little ticket, and I know they don't usually write for one mile over, but you get yourself a little ticket and go down to the courthouse and fight that ticket and get up in front of a judge and wave that ticket in the air and say, Judge, you ain't going to tell me what to do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I double-dog day. Record it for me, okay? I won't say, if you're going to be that dumb, I'm not going to go to court with you. Yeah. <laughs> I have went to court once or twice with some folks, but I ain't going if you're going to act like that. Yeah. Amen? Well, listen, preachers are not trying to be your judge. I mean, God is going to be your judge, and He's already laid out the judgment, and the Bible already covers the beginning and the end. The problem is, folks are living in the lowlands, and the Bible says a, a old sow returns to her wallowing in the mire. That's right. yeah. but, oh, you don't like to be... Oh, you preacher, you're calling me a sow? No, the Bible called them sows. Right. Yeah. The Bible said if you went, if you got saved and got your life cleaned up and went back to living in a bunch of rotten filth, you was just like a dirty old hog that got pulled out and cleaned up and put an extra twist in his tail, a little bow on his hair, and went back and just laid back down the mud again. Hmm? That's what the Bible said. You say, what is that? That's a judgment. You've been judged. Brother Mike been judged. Hey, I fully take my place. He said about those men, you're like a dog that returns to his vomit. His puke. Well, Brother Mike, I... That's what the Bible says. That's, that's, what, that's why that's the problem that people have with that King James Bible. That's, that's the deal right there. Ain't it? Ain't it? Oh, I... I just, I can't deal with that King James. It says thou. 
how come people ain't revising and updating Shakespeare? Yeah. I can't understand two words put together in that book. Yeah. Hey, right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> can you? I open that thing and try to read it, man. I got to think when I get out the dictionary. Yeah, that's right. Where's the revision committees? Where's the scholarship? Where's the archaic words? And the problem ain't the dials. The problem is the Bible says you're a sinner and God is going to judge sin. Well, you ought to take it as a warning rather than as a judgment. It's like a, heading down, go, go out here to 17 and make a right. They're working on a bridge down there. Suppose that bridge fell and the state just neglected to put out signs and nobody's standing out there going, bridge out, the bridge is out. Drive some idiot driving down 17, there's a man standing out there. The bridge is out, the bridge is out, the bridge is out. I don't feel convicted. I just, see, I just don't see it that way. The laws of gravity says if you drive off of the edge of that cliff, you will fall into the St. Mary's River. I don't see it that way. The grace of God has delivered me from the law of gravity. Uh, no, wily coyote, you will fall. This is not a cartoon. Life is not fake. Life is not Saturday. When you drive off the edge of the cliff, you're going to wind up at the bottom. And that's all the Bible says. The bridge is out. The bridge is out. The bridge is out. The bridge is out. Oh, how dare he talk to us in such a manner. Don't he know that we know what we're doing? That's the attitude that folks have. That's low ground, folks. That's low ground. We need higher ground. He said, come up higher ground and I'll show thee things which must be after here, uh, be hereafter. Listen, a higher state, a holy conversation produces a clear vision of things to come. When you, when you get mixed up in the world, when you get mixed up in the things of the world, usually, and I think everybody in the room can agree with this, all you can see is what's at hand. If you get caught up in a habit, if you get caught up in a vice, the only thing that you concern yourself with is right now, right now. Somebody says, well, wait, the consequences of that is going to hurt you. The consequences of that is going to be negative. The consequences of that might be death. But folks don't want to hear that. How many of you ever had a loved one you tried to get them to quit smoking? Hey, man, please quit smoking. That stuff's going to kill you. And they say, well, it's my business. And, well, I'm pretty healthy. And, well, as long as I get exercise, I'll be able to. You ever had somebody reason with you? All they care about is right now. But the thing that's coming in the future, they're not able to comprehend that. Yet You can say it. That is going to kill you. The Surgeon General can put a warning on it and say that is going to kill you. But until they focus on that particular spot down the road they're not going to be concerned about it they're not going to be concerned about that you get in the car and drive under the influence of alcohol chances are you're going to die oh well I'll be alright I think it's only five miles to the house I think I'll be alright they're not looking they're not concerned at all with the future but people with a higher, vi- a higher vision people with more with, with that kind of a, a, a higher conversation a holy conversation which is your lifestyle it produces a clear vision of things to come if you look in uh, in Hebrews 9.27, it says, For it's appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment. There's, there's something ahead. 
There's something ahead in your life. You say, preacher, I just feel like under the grace of God I can live whichever way I want to. Okay, you go ahead and do that. But there's a death coming and a judgment coming after that. And there ain't no escape from that. There ain't no changing that. Boy, I, I, do, I wouldn't wish it on nobody. If I met a sot drunk or if I met uh, the, the worst kind of a criminal or the worst kind of sinner in the earth, I wouldn't wish for him to be dead. I wouldn't wish for him to be dead. I wouldn't wish for him to go to hell. I wouldn't wish for anybody to go to hell. Hell is the, hell is the invention of a holy God. Not a sinful man. No sinful man would invent hell. No sinful man would invent hell because it would apply to himself if he was honest. If he was honest. But listen, uh, it, when you read about uh, in Hebrews 9.27, there's one thing for sure, it's death. The next thing that's for sure is a judgment. We ought to live our lives that way. Just I'm not talking about waking up every morning and living your life by a checkbook or a check, uh, 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 checks and balances where I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this. No, I'm talking about just getting up on a daily basis and getting in the Bible, which is higher ground, and getting on your knees in prayer, which is a higher ground, and asking God, Lord, how can I live my life better? How can I live my life wiser? How can I live my life in the fear of the Lord? How can I live my life safer from a spiritual standpoint? How can I do these things uh, just to get into a better position to live my life. That's all you got to do. I, I see people and what they do, they start out with good intentions. They say, well, I'm going to read 10 chapters a day and I'm going to go to church every time the door is open, which you should. Amen. And 10 chapters a day ain't going to hurt you. Nope. Amen? But what I'm saying is, is people get this legislative thing down where I'm going to follow this ritual. There's only one problem with following the same ritual every day. Men get bored too easy. I preached you a sermon about three or four weeks ago, maybe five or six weeks ago, where Samuel told David, he said, Now I've anointed you with oil as a king, now you just go do as occasion serves you. Now as in a, on a daily basis, you ought to read, you ought to pray, but you ought to, you ought to do it in such a fashion that it's a part of your life and not a part of your regimen. Yeah. <clears throat> in the Marine Corps, we got up and run a couple miles and done... Uh, jumping jacks and uh, of course I didn't call them that but jumping jacks and push ups and pull ups and all that stuff it was part of a daily regimen and that's the first part I got rid of as soon as I had the liberty to do it Uh, I may do another sit up but I ain't going to do sit ups daily (laughs) I've got to where I've started running and riding my bicycle but I'm not going to do it daily I might do it every other day I might do it once a week you know what's going to be the deciding factor? My love for it. <laughs> well, I think I'll run today. Hmm. You love to run? No, but I love life. <laughs> I love the fact that my knees still work. My waist still bends. <laughs> I, I love that. But listen, what I'm trying to say to you is every time I see a Christian get into a place to where, oh, i got to read my Bible. Oh, i got to go to church. They end up not doing either one. Oh, I've got to pray. They end up not praying. Oh, I've got to do it this way. I've got to wear my hair this certain way. I've got to wear my dress this certain way. I've got to do it this certain way. They end up not doing it. They end up worse than they was before. 
Amen. And, and listen, I love my preacher to death and I don't hold anything against my preacher. But I, I grew up under a preacher that said, you got to wear your dress this way. you got to wear your pants this way. you got to wear your hair this way. you got to look this way. And what he had was a congregation full of people that done it just this way. And now they're broke. Their homes are busted. Their lives are divorced. Their kids are living in sin. It was, it was a daily regimen to them that they hated. But that's not a description of higher ground. Listen, folks, you can get on your knees and talk to God every day. You can do it. You're allowed to do it. You're allowed to look at the very best book there is on the planet. Every day you're allowed to do it. Get in there, you'll learn things you never expected. You'll see things you never expected. You'll realize that the most holy men in the Bible were people just like you. They murdered. They cheated on their wives. They committed adultery. They used prostitutes. They went and dealt with witches. You say, what's wrong with them? They're people just like you. You say, what happened from the Old Testament to the New Testament? The Holy Spirit came down from higher ground. You say, what's that a picture of? It's a picture of Psalm chapter 40. I was in the mud pit. I was in the miry clay. And He come down, lifted me up, set my feet upon a solid rock. You say, what's that? That's higher ground. That's getting to a place where you love the Word. Not just have to read the Word. Y'all read your Bible every day! <laughs> Ain't that what you've heard all your life? Hey, I've preached it. Boy, and you should read it. You should study it. Should, I mean, read a hundred pages a day if you can. If that's what you love to do. But don't do it because you have to. Choose the higher ground. Uh, most of us Christians act like we're, we're just, uh, you know, and I understand from the fleshly standpoint, you're not worth nothing and we're sinners and all that stuff. But man, you're saved, son of God, washed in the blood of Jesus. Paul described a whole bunch of sinners and he said, such were some of you, but you are washed. You are clean. The Bible says you're a new create, uh, you're a new creature created in Christ Jesus under good works. The Bible says you're saved by grace through faith. He said that not of yourselves; it's the gift of God. He said not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. It's higher ground. You, listen, he says in 9.27, there's a death ahead, there's a judgment ahead. Uh, Revelation 17.1, he says, he says, come hither and I'll show you the judgment that's coming. He's talking about the judgment of the, of the beast and the judgment of that false church over in the book of Re- Revelation ch- uh, chapter 17. You say, what's that? This world's in need of rescue. That's right. All the false doctrines, all the false, all the false religions, all the folks that are not quote unquote religious all the folks that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior they're heading for a judgment the only people in the world that can see that or cares anything about that is Christians that are living a higher life a holier life boy there's a real need out there when's the last time as a Christian you said man there's a real need I mean these people really need to be saved when's the last time that crossed your mind we on a daily basis our food our necessity our lights our survival, that thing comes to our mind on a daily basis. But as a Christian living on higher ground, the needs of others, the spiritual needs, even physical needs should be apparent because we're looking down from a higher place. Not a snooty, holier-than-thou place, but a place of higher vision. And we can say, boy, there's some needs out here in the world. You just can't see those if you're living in the lowland, the lowlands of sin. 
And then in Revelation 21, 9, He says, Come hither and I'll show you the bride. The Lamb's wife. We ought to be able to see ourselves. We'll be able to see ourselves for who we are. We'll be able to see ourselves for where we're going. Listen, this world, we, we sing the song, This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the view. Man, uh, we ought to, even though it, uh, heaven is out of our physical sight, if you're living it how you ought to and, and thinking how you ought to and praying how you ought to and reading your Bible how you ought to, you ought to have a blessed hope that's before you. Jesus is going to come get us. We're going to go home to heaven where there's no uh, sin and no sickness and no dying and no tears and no more heartbreaks and nobody else is ever going to let me down. That's the big thing. They let me down. They treated me wrong. Man, that stuff is never going to come into... The, one of the best things about those verses that talk about those things is not only does it says all the tears will be wiped from our eyes, but he says the former things will be forgotten. Did you know people, sometimes people think that when they get to heaven, they're going to think back and think, oh, remember when we was on earth and all this bad stuff was happening? God said He's going to wipe that stuff from your memory. There'll be a time, there'll be a time when you remember everything good and nothing bad. There'll be a time when you won't remember laying on your pillow and crying your eyeballs out because so-and-so done wrong or so-and-so. There'll be a time when you won't think of that or remember it anymore. Amen. And that's a time of hope. That's, a, that's something that ought to motivate you. Listen, if I said, now, I've went to your house and I've placed a million dollars on your coffee table at home. And it's sitting there waiting for you. And each and every one of you wonderful people, when you get home, will be millionaires. You'll go to your homes and you'll enter your home and the the sheen that's arising off of that million dollars will just change the atmosphere of your home. And then you'll grab it up and hug it and love it and you'll be happy for the rest of the day until your friends find out you're a millionaire. But you'll, you'll, you'll just... I mean, when you get home, everything's going to be wonderful because I've placed a million dollars in your home. Now, imagine the trip to your home this, this afternoon. Uh, preacher, can you uh, dismiss right now? <laughs> I really want to go home right now. Um, and then you get in your car and you run about 100 miles an hour to your house and get pulled over by the policeman. The policeman writes you that ticket and you say, thank you, officer. I, I love you very much and I'll, I'll even give you a tip. I'll send you an extra five. I'll send you an extra 5000 You're doing such a wonderful job. I mean, Nobody's going to make you mad, man. you got a million dollars. All the way home, nothing because you've got something you're looking forward to. You've got something that's a blessing to you. You've got something that your heart's been set on all your life. Well, a Christian ought to look at his future. He said, "Come here." He said, "Come here, and I'll show you the lamb, the the bride, the lamb's wife." Hey, when you get a when you get on higher ground and see what God has in store for you and what God has prepared for you, man, it ought to make the troubles and the trials and the sorrows of this life small in comparison. Man, when you think about what God has got for you and no more sickness and no more sorrow and no more shame, no more of this junk that you go through on a daily basis, man, you ought to be happy just to go through this life and bear a little bit of reproach and suffer a little bit of temptation and suffer a little bit of trials just to be be associated with His name. Amen? He said, our light affliction endures but for a moment. But man, what comes up after this? Remember the verse he said, it's appointed unto men once to die, then after this the judgment. What about after the judgment? Christians will go through a judgment seat of Christ. 
Boy, I'm not really looking forward to the judgment myself. That's why I'm trying to order my life a little bit and have some principle in my life at least and have some godly standards and do some things that are correct. I'm trying to order my life correctly. But listen, after that judgment, boy, I want to be... I want to I want to rule with Him and reign with Him and to be uh, not necessarily accepted by Him, but to be approved by Him. Yes. The Bible says we're accepted in the blood. We have that already. But there's a day coming. And listen, that day that's coming ought to be in the forefront of our mind while we're living our lives right here. Get your eyes off of right now. I mean, live today. Understand that you're to live for today. But the, the picture you ought to have in your mind of the future is not tomorrow. Or next week, it ought to be that day when the Lord returns to take His children home. Because then, at that time, all the things of this world that we counted important be counted as nothing. What was I thinking? Chasing a dollar bill when I could have been chasing God's will. God promised you the dollar bills will come. Seek ye first the uh, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, the food, the shelter, the things that you have need of. He said He'd provide those things for you. So, Brother Mike, I just can't believe that. Well, God help you get to higher ground where you can believe it. God help you get to the place where you do believe that the things that God said about the past, about your present right now, and about the future, they're all true. As surely as the things of the Old Testament came true, the things of the New Testament will come true as well. So how do I get my eyes on it? You need higher ground. You need higher intention. You need better intention. You need better attitude towards God's Word. God help us to get it. Heavenly Father, I do thank You this morning for Your goodness and for Your grace. Lord, such a simple thing like this, Lord, a simple idea like this, very hard to frame into words sometimes. Uh, Lord, just how to get people focused on not their daily uh, discomforts or their daily hardships, but their future enjoyments and their future benefits. Lord, old Psalm chapter 103, it said, You will let me not forget all thy benefits. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to remember those things. Help us, God, to read your word and to love your word and to pray because we love to pray. And Lord, to do the things that you've left us to do because we love to do it from a higher position, from a higher and a holy conversation rather than just... Uh, Lord, a, a, a few rules that says we have to do it. And Lord, we must follow the rules regardless. And I understand that. But Lord, help us to get to the place where we love to be in fellowship with you. And we love to do the things, uh, Lord, that you want us to do. And Lord, help us to get to that place, a place of Christian maturity, a place, Lord, uh, where we can be in fellowship with you, not just on a daily basis, but on an hourly basis, and a minute-by-minute basis. Help us to get that close and draw that near. And I will thank you, dear God, for what you do. Lord, I pray, God, that you take the simple message, put it in the hearts of the people, and send it home, God. Let them think on these things. And then, Lord, uh, bring them home safely and bring them back here again at the next appointed time. Have your will and way. And, Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for coming this morning.